0: an idea of what us as, of, uh, as vendors are hearing from certain sectors of industry, uh, primarily construction, uh, credit, uh, aerospace, automotive, and all these nightmare industries that, you know, kind of our, our economy has been in turmoil over, over the last couple of years. Housing, especially with the bubble here in California. The paper this morning said that L.A. had the largest impact of housing, and I'm sure we all recognize that. But we're also 12% ahead uh, of the rest of the country on that rebound. Pricing has come up from a $310,000 median price to $340,000 in the L.A. area uh, alone. So that, that's a good indication. And they may not be building them as quick as now, but the, you know, those things are starting to turn the corner. So we, we wanted to um, give everybody an opportunity to question the panel of some really smart guys that are, are from the, the financing business around aerospace companies, uh, Rick Phillips, with change capital investment uh, is, is an expert on not only our industry but what's happening within the aerospace sector to help us you know kind of define if you're doing aerospace businesses where were we where are we going and you know how, how are we going to move past where we're at today uh... everyone knows andy Cohen. Uh andy's very versed in in the commercial industrial fastener industry construction and so on And he's got a real feel for where his business is and hopefully hopefully give us some insight as to if we've got customers that are in those areas and is what we can anticipate from them as far as future orders and so on. Uh, Jamie is going to speak to PCC's large investment in the automotive sector. Jamie Lawrence has been with uh, uh, Textron, PCC, AVK, AvaBank, and has a great knowledge of what's happening within the automotive industry and I did see this morning that ITW's earnings in, in their automotive sector was up 28%, which is a good sign that, uh, you know, all of the automotive sector manufacturers are, are beginning to see an, an uptick. And I don't think Toyota's hurting them too bad either. So with that, I'd like for our panel to come up and uh, give us a, a
1: take on what you see is happening, and we'll take it from there. Jamie? I'm Andy Cohn from Duncan Bolt, and I was asked to moderate this. Uh, Rick, uh, we're going to start with Jamie, whose uh, mission was to try and give you as much insight as he can into automotive and, generally speaking, industrial and where the market's going. Uh, we'll follow with Rick, and then I'm going to try and give you what I can share about the construction industry. I have a couple of comments about industrial also. so. With no further uh, delay mr. Uh, Jamie um, <clears throat> just to update what Kelly said, Jamie is uh, national sales manager for AVK or is that close to the right That's title close, yeah, Some, close to the like right that. title um, I'm sure he'll speak about what part of their business is uh, automotive versus industrial, but certainly somebody who uh, has an idea of what's going on in all parts of the national market, um, and prior to that, uh, has had a, a much storied, famous career in the fastener industry, going back through Cherry, Allfast, Olympic, and a couple of others in there too along the way. So, take over, please. But no Gene. prison.
2: No prison time. No okay. prison time okay. yet. Yeah. That's right. Not yet. Anyways. So, uh, good evening. It's always a pleasure to speak to all of you here tonight. I'll try to give you some information and try to make it entertaining so I don't put you to sleep. If you have any questions, please stop me. Ask me at any time. Uh, What I've done up there, not to terrify you with all that verbiage, there's handouts down there if you want to actually read it. Uh, But what I did was I kind of give you a synopsis, a brief overview of the industrial economy starting up there in September. Uh, what you're seeing is that, uh, in September, they started to acknowledge uh, that the manufacturing, industrial manufacturing is starting to come back. Uh, along with that, unemployment at that time was a fantastic uh, 9.5%, which was a little bit better. And <clears throat> some, some banks were still faltering in the economy was starting to stabilize, and it was looking a little bit better. And at that time, the economists were saying that, gosh, the recession is, we think it's coming to an end. So um, by the time they said that, we're probably into it two and a half years, maybe three, because the government really didn't acknowledge and the the U.S. economy really didn't acknowledge we were in a recession because nobody wanted to talk about that for quite some time. But you're going to see from the other charts and information I have that, we were into it for at least overall to this point at least three years and and there is light at the end of the tunnel and it's not another train coming at us so it appears to be appears to be getting better uh... going down just to the next chunk of information uh... lo and behold the trade gap started to close uh... the trade gap was in our favor three point six percent around uh, october time frame and it dropped from 30, I think it was 30 billion, uh, 31 billion to 30 billion. And why is that? Because actually the dollar devaluated a little bit and the Euro became stronger, so it behooved a lot of the Europeans to buy from us. And that really helped spur and generate the manufacturing process in North America. So So really the devaluation of our dollar helped us against the Euro. So that helped us as far as the economy and the, and the start threatening to, to recover, as I like to say. Uh, in the February time timeframe, uh, labor, labor hours increased just a little bit. It went from, I think it was 40.6 to 40.8 hours a week. And also 11,000 jobs in February uh, were added to the manufacturing segment of the economy. So the overall economy is starting to improve. I would say six months ago the, the uh, Feds came out and said that the economy was running at 1.5%, which is not very good. Uh, today they're saying that the GDP, gross domestic product, is probably going to be running around 3%, which is good. That's what it was about two and a half years ago. So I think we've come into the gully we've, and we're starting to come out of the gully. So it's, it, overall I would say it's much better. So, uh, to to back up what I'm telling you about, you know, a multi-year recession, people really weren't willing to talk about it. The automotive industry is an excellent indicator. Uh, Automotive, you know, vehicles are really disposable income. If you're going to buy a nice car and you have the money, you're going to do it. If you got to tighten up in things, your car's running fine. You're not going to buy a car. You're going to use it for I don't know, food, rent, paying your mortgage. Uh, So as you can see here, 2006, 2007, 2008, at the high point, we were just under 18 million units vehicles manufactured in in, uh, the U.S. Dropped uh, to just a little above 16 million, dropped again to just above 15 million, and we really dropped down uh, several months ago to about a 9 million pace as far as automotive production output. So that's not so good. Uh, as of last month, the automotive industry is now at 10, 10.4 million. It's starting to rebound. Um, I can tell you that in the last six months, our business with Ford and with Chrysler has doubled from where it was. It was very, very low, but in the last six months, it has doubled, and it appears to be strengthening. So definitely, the automotive market is starting to rebound. Um, I'm, I'm still watching it, but it much stronger, much stronger than it was. And of course, the general economy reflects that. The general economy is is still very is still recovering, and that's good. Aerospace, of course, is lagging behind. Uh, if any of you have been in the aerospace and the commercial uh, markets and have a company that has both. Usually the commercials is the first to go, first to come back, and the aerospace lags behind that. Uh, also, the United States is the first to come back, and Europe lags behind the United States anywhere from three to six months. So if you do any kind of European business, you should start to see in the next couple of months an uptick in your European business. We have started to see that already. So I'm very encouraged about um, the U.S., coming out of this recession and the general economy and the automotive world strengthening. Yep. Uh, any questions about this at the moment?
0: Yes. Uh, a lot of the uh, Tier 2, Tier 3 uh, suppliers and sub-assembly suppliers were outsourcing a lot of products <clears throat> and, and whether they be the stampings and threaded products to China to be, make, create sub-assembly suppliers, <throat> mm-hmm. Tier one.
2: Yes. Um, in fact, you're seeing a lot of uh, acquisitions and mergers right now. Uh, let's take uh, Nissan North America. Uh, Nissan has bought out Visteon. Visteon used to be a division of Ford. Uh, in the last couple of months, they've been acquired by Nissan. Also, another company called CalSonic is, has um, under the Nissan umbrella and Hugara Hugh, Hugh uh, North America. There's three sub-tier automotive manufacturers that have been bought by Nissan in the last six months. So Nissan is growing. Toyota, we know Toyota, they're they're having their problems. Toyota says they're going to lose about twenty-five percent of their business. I I think it'll be greater than that. Uh, But I'm going to give you some other more interesting numbers over here. But yes, the sub-supply, the um, tier one, tier two people, I would say are lagging, have lagged three to six months because many of those folks had an abundance of inventory and of course they don't start up until until the uh, and I won't say the big three, it's not the big three anymore, we'll talk about that briefly until the top automotive manufacturers have started to pick up and before I go to the next slide um, Toyota was actually surpassed GM uh, last year and it became the number one automotive manufacturer in North America which it's amazing, and if you go back to World War II, uh, if you don't know the saying, uh, the economy goes the way GM goes, and that is not so anymore, and in fact, the new term coined, you know, you can you can coin this, the term that's been coined is the new domestics, so Ford is still a biggie, GM is faltering, Chrysler is better, Toyota has come up, but Subaru, Honda, uh, Nissan, Hyundai, uh Kia, all of those are coming up and they're saying, oh my gosh, you know, you're thinking I'm not gonna buy an import car. Really? Subaru is made in Indiana. Kia is building a one million square foot facility, I believe it is in Georgia. All of these Japanese and Korean automotive manufacturers are building here. Uh, Mercedes has a huge plant in Alabama. BMW has a plant in the in the South. So a lot of what we used to think was uh, foreign manufactured and would take away from U.S. jobs, not so anymore. In fact, I would say they provide more jobs now than the old big three, and that is a fact. Chrysler, uh, GM is outsourcing to China and India. They're not helping us. Ford is the only one that's really sourcing from when, within North America. Chrysler, about half and half. Uh, Toyota mandated last year that $150 million in fasteners will be sourced within North America, boom, period, as a demonstration of their investment into this marketplace. So you, start, you need to start changing your thinking about uh, what is uh, US manufactured, thus new domestics. Is that enough? Too much? OK. All right, look here. Last month, all right, where's my laser pointer? See that 43.5%? Ford. Ford came up 43.5% last month in market share. Why? Because they're making some pretty good vehicles. Why? Because they're pushing the quality envelope. They're challenging Audi, BMW with their new Taurus show. Uh, F-150, of course, used to be the number one selling vehicle in the world. Uh, and that's starting, starting to come back, but of course the fuel price has hurt that for quite a while. Um, so here, here, here are the current standings. Uh, Chrysler 10%, uh, I think that's 18, 18.2 for GM, but GM is going to falter. I think they're going to lose market share. And then look, look down here, Honda 10%, uh, Hyundai 7. uh, 7.5, Mazda 2.2, but Mazda is really Ford Okay, um, <clears throat> let's see. Nissan, 9%, and they will grow. Saturn is GM, but that's been sold. Uh, Suzuki no, Toyota, 12.9, that's, that's going to drop a lot. You watch that. But here are the gains right here. 43% Ford. Ford is probably the strongest uh, vehicle manufacturer in North America right now. And remember, folks, they didn't take any government funding. Zero. Chrysler, 30% is now owned by Fiat, okay, 5% by the American government, 5% by the Canadian government, and the rest by the UAW and their employees, okay? So Ford is the one I think will be a good one. So a lot of change, but definitely uh, starting to rebound, Uh, and it's interesting because, you know, Ford, going back to Henry Ford, he really developed the assembly line process, he developed manufacturing efficiencies remember he said you can have any color you want on a model t as long as it's black so he understood he understood the manufacturing efficiencies and producing product at a reasonable price for, for the consumer any questions about that okay just for grins here's the current lineup of the top vehicles sold uh, accord uh, I won't read them all, but uh, Fusion, Ford, I'll go through the Ford vehicles. Number 7, uh, right there, see F-Series, Ford, Escape, Ford, uh, Edge, Ford, and you're going to see that continue. You're going to see Mustang and also, I think, uh, Taurus up there shortly. Uh, so those are, those, are the, those are the top vehicles and trucks on the market right now but look at look at all the new domestics if you will Camry is Toyota because we're gonna have a problem Civic is Toyota um, uh, Honda, Honda Sorento, Kia, Santa Fe, Kia um, Hyundai and Kia you gotta look for they're gonna eat up a lot of the marketplace uh, they're very fierce competitors and they're gonna chew into to General Motors I think big time Okay, um, Ford is under the control of an ex-Boeing CEO. So he is looking at ways to improve efficiencies and bring in aerospace technology to help Ford push forward. And um, he is. And again, as I said, he redesigned. they've redesigned the, the Taurus uh, that a 40% um, cut in North American workforce. So they've really leaned down, they become thin, they look for look for concessions with the UAW. uh, And their quality has soared. Their quality right now, a Ford vehicle, I would say their quality is as good as any car you can buy. And and I wouldn't have said that two, three years ago. Uh, I've already told you about the the increase in Ford, 43%. 142,000 vehicles in February. Uh, So they're doing very, very well. So, again, Ford is probably the leader right now in the U.S. as far as U.S. manufacturers. Jeep, Chrysler, Dodge, uh, they're, they're lagging because their lineup of vehicles is not as good. <clears throat> January sales at 84,000 units, slight increase. Uh, they're still doing well with Jeep. Uh, they're doing well with uh, Charger, Challenger, a lot of their muscle cars. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it, but... Uh, Ford has stopped manufacturing the Crown Victoria. And so you don't see the Highway Patrol using those big big Crown Vicks anymore. They're, they're gone. They don't make them anymore. They'll be obsolete. And now you're seeing, <clears throat> I think you're seeing uh, the Dodge Charger or Challenger out there. Charger, one of the two. Uh, they have it uh, you know, with the big tires and the push bars. They look, they look pretty cool. And beware, it's a 150-mile-an-hour car. So it's a pretty powerful car if you see that. With the CHP cruising around, so but Chrysler doesn't really have the lineup that Ford does. Ford has a lot of fuel-efficient cars: the Focus, the Fusion. It's a, it's a they have their Escape hybrid. Uh, Chrysler really Chrysler doesn't have a hybrid. Uh, Chrysler the only fuel-efficient car they have is a is the Cobalt, and that's that's not doing too well. So I would I would look to see. Chrysler kind of faulting, but I will tell you that Fiat will begin to appear in the North American marketplace now. Uh, Chrysler is already putting together their first Fiat Chrysler vehicle in Mexico for import into the U.S. So, in the next couple of months, look for a Chrysler Fiat vehicle. So, you're going to start to see Fiat vehicles if, if um, that's what you like. Um, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, yeah.
0: With this aerospace introduction to automotive production and lean and mean, Six Sigma, stuff like that, how's that bringing into that technology, our fasteners and those related technologies to the
2: Good question. Ford, two years ago, started an experiment with welding, and they thought welding was the be all, the end all. And I was really quite concerned about it for a while. And they even converted many of their minivan roof rack applications to the welding. Lo and behold, they found out it was about four times the cost of installing a blind insert, which is near and dear to my heart. And uh, so now they're starting to undo all those applications in favor of blind inserts and blind rivets and products that have a greater ease of installation without all the welding and robotic technology. So, so to answer your question, you know, blind fasteners are used all throughout aircraft assembly. And so I think that has been revitalized um, by their need, their necessity, to uh, lessen the cost of assembly and get greater throughput. So I do see that. Also, I do see it in Mallory, the, their CEO from Boeing, and he was number two guy at Boeing. Um, he is streamlining, cutting, and also they're becoming bigger as far as mirroring. What, what, what is he doing? Uh, what did he take from Boeing and he's applying to Ford? Subassemblies. They're doing a lot more sub assemblies, just like Boeing. Boeing doesn't make a full aircraft anymore. They have sub assemblies all over the world, and they bring them in, and they assemble the jet. And I'm seeing that more at Ford now. They're, they're buying a lot of sem- sub-assemblies uh, all over the U.S. and North America, and they're bringing in, they're assembling the car. So they're not doing the complete car at all anymore. They're bringing in sub-assemblies, modular uh, components, if you will, and put it together, and boom, the car goes out the uh, assembly line. So that's, that's the difference. There's, those are some of the differences you're seeing.
0: Are you as embedded in the big? You
2: repeat the question for the recording? We, we, um, Kelly's asking if, if we are embedded in the manufacturing or the Tier 1 or the Tier 2 side. And to answer the question, we are embedded in the manufacturing and the, and the Tier 1 side. Um,